Welcome to One Mission Podcast, and today we're delighted to have our newly elected state convention president, Dr. Craig Carlisle. Now, he and I were commensurating a moment ago related to how long we've known each other. We won't get into that, but it's been a matter of decades now. Craig has served in so many capacities in Alabama Baptist life, not only on our state board of missions, but on the committee on boards and commissions. That may not mean much to you out in the audience, but it's certainly meaningful when you're relating to Alabama Baptist and trying to help Alabama Baptist find people who serve and to actually serve himself. He chaired our most recent sexual abuse task force and also the reform one or application of that. Two years in a row, he has uh, done an outstanding job as the associational missional leader there to Etowah Association. Prior to that, pastor at First, well, almost at First Baptist Gadsden, 12th Street Gadsden, and then Central and Decatur. So we're so Central Park, I should say, in Decatur. Well, Craig, we're glad to have you here. And I know that you, you enjoy your work because you just bubble when you talk about it with the enthusiasm. But now you have a new opportunity. And if you would like to talk about some dreams you have for the, your tenure as president and you want to weave in background related to right. family, or sure. that would be helpful. We're wanting to connect with you okay. and get to know you better. And this is a good opportunity. Well, it's an honor and a privilege to be with you, Dr. Lance, and uh, it's a humbling honor to be asked and elected to be president of the Alabama Baptist State Convention. I've been an Alabama Baptist uh, all my life, except for about four years when I was on the mission field in Texas uh, in seminary. I was a Texas Baptist back in those days, but uh, as soon as possible, I got back to Alabama to begin serving as a pastor in, in uh, Alabama Baptist churches and have been here uh, ever since. I, uh, having had the experience that I've been privileged to have in serving Alabama Baptist, I have grown to have a deep love and respect and an appreciation for our convention. Uh, I love what we do, I love what we stand for, I love the commitment that we have to the gospel and to making a difference not only in our state but in our world. And so with that in mind, I, as I think about uh, Alabama Baptist and serving our convention, uh, having been a pastor but now a director of missions or uh, association mission strategist, whatever you, whatever title you prefer, I think he gives me a little bit different perspective uh, from the yeah. singular church focus to right. the multi-church focus. Um, I do serve Etowah Baptist Association. We have 80 churches. 55 mm. of them are part-time or bivocational, 25 are full-time. And as I work with our pastors and build relationships with them, one of the things that stirs my heart and even gives me concern is for our part-time churches. Um, we will see and know that there will be an increase in those areas in the coming months and years, and we've already seen it happen in our association. And And so one of the things that weighs on my heart is, is where, are they, where is that new generation of part-time bivocational pastors going to come from? 
when I was called in the ministry, it was full-time or bust. Uh, I never considered uh, another career, never uh, never even trained for another career. My All of my education was geared toward uh, being a pastor, being a minister. Uh, and, and so God in his goodness and, and grace and providence has allowed me to spend my 35 years as a pastor, 30 years as a pastor, and now six years as a director of missions in full-time ministry. But things have changed uh, right. dramatically yes. over the last yes. several years. And and so uh, one of the things that I hope that I can do um, through my time and tenure as, a, as the president is to really connect with some of our bivocational pastors and in an as intentional a way as I possibly can to even have the opportunity if presented to encourage others to consider that as a uh, as an option. Uh, I know that some of their there are pastors that are out there that uh, one in particular in our association that uh, is a teacher in a high school but also serves his church and and one of the things in my conversation with him was he said, you know, Brother Craig, I don't want to have to choose. I feel just as called to be a teacher as I do uh, a pastor. Wow. And I said, well, I hope, Andrew, I hope you don't have to choose uh, uh, because we need more of you. And I would love to somehow be able to connect with people to to let them know my vocational pastor is is an honor. It's a, it's a privilege. It's a calling. And uh, you can can do both, and there's going to be a great need not only in the role of the pastor, but also in the role of other ministry positions such as worship leadership, uh, youth, even children, and uh, other ways, uh, all the way down to the church pianist. Uh, I get calls for all the positions, but I do hope that we can do some things to generate interest and and excitement and enthusiasm about the role of the bivocational pastor. Um, I love, like I said, I have 55 of them. I love every single one of them. Uh, they serve well, but uh, the unfortunate thing is I don't have anybody in the pipeline That's to right. replace them. Yeah, well, we're yeah. running into that on the state level, and certainly on the SBC level. There was a time we talked about having about uh, 52% bivocationals. Now, that's dated. That's when I first came on board years ago. It would be closer to 60% now with the uh, average age of a pastor also getting older. And, and that skewed a little bit because you have retired pastors who are doing what you call part-time. Right. They're not bivocational. They're retired. So it's a part-time ministry. Right. And some of them serve well into their 80s, so that skews the number a little bit. But it, it's no secret that we certainly have a, a greater need among the bivocationals. In fact, the I think I mentioned to you this, we may be going back one day to the lay minister kind of approach that right. generations ago, and actually a century ago, mm. that may happen in order to... And it may be that what we used to call circuit riders, many right. in our audience won't know what that is, right. but it is a one who had more than one church back in the day when you didn't have transportation that was motorized. So a new brand of that may be coming along as well. 
But let me segue on something. Well, before I do that, I do know you are interested in the bivocational retreat that we do, and you've connected with Ken Allen, who right. gives leadership to that as a state missionary. I need to tell the audience something that is, in my mind, I love a little history trivia. For the first time in the history of Alabama Baptist, we have a director of missions who is president of our convention. That is a first. Now, Craig comes with a, a very um, a massive amount of experience in so many other different ways related to the local church. But for a director of missions, that, that's a breakthrough because that's one of the first time it happened. So it happened in 2023. Uh, last year in 2022, we had another first. Uh, Mel Johnson, who is the director of missions, an associational mission strategist here in the Autauga Association, was elected as, our, as chair of our state board of missions. So right. the two key positions, if you want to call it that, and representation of leadership are now led by associational leaders. That speaks volumes about the role you have and then right. the, what you've done through your ministry. Wonderful. And we, we're glad of that. Thank you. But let me ask something else. You have a, a real heart for a prayer ministry. Talk a little bit about that because I happen to be one of the recipients of that right. prayer ministry. I'm on your calendar, and right. uh, I know you can't do every Alabama Baptist on the calendar, <laughs> but talk about how you developed sure. that. I, uh, it actually happened in 2014. I uh, was in a conversation with a fellow minister, and we were talking about prayer and intercessory prayer and, and praying sincerely for each other. And in the course of that conversation, the Lord just put on my heart to— I, I was a relatively new recipient of an iPhone, and uh, had discovered the calendar option on the uh, on the iPhone, and uh, the Lord put on my heart to develop a prayer calendar using this technology that I had to uh, to build a, a prayer ministry for fellow pastors and and others. And and so during the after that conversation, I began to sit down, and uh, I think I started out with about ten. Uh, people and basically the way I set it up was I put one person on one of each of the t each of the ten on one day. So I had one on the first through the tenth of the month, and then uh, I thought, well, I can take that further than that. And I basically started out with my pastor, uh, my staff, uh, and then just a couple of others and. Uh, but from that, I began to grow the ministry. I began to grow it to uh, other fellow pastors. I used uh, my associational leader at the time and uh, and pastors in my association that I was serving, and I would add them, and then I may meet a missionary, and I would add them to my prayer calendar, and and it just began to grow. And so almost every time I'm introduced to a new pastor, especially if they are going to be affiliated with my association or we're going to have a working relationship with each other, I will add them to uh, my prayer calendar. And so I've been doing that for nine years now, and uh, it ha I have accumulated. I haven't actually done the total recently, but it is over 500 uh, ministers, missionaries, 
entity leaders, uh, campus ministers uh, that are now on my prayer calendar. So I use it every day. So uh, every morning, the way I I do it is every morning, usually between 6.30 and 7 a.m., I start sending out texts to those that are on uh, their day. And uh, I basically say, good morning, whatever their name is, how can I pray for you today? And it's been so rich to watch how that has developed over the years from you know, when you first send them out, I'm sure guys thought, yeah, this this will last for a little while. But And so the, the requests were very uh, vague, very general. Uh, and so we started that way. But as they learned, as I, as I sent a prayer response, not just, hey, I've got this or I'm praying for you, uh, I'll pray for this today. I actually pray, a, send back a prayer, including their request. And as I have done that for nine years, the trust level of those who are on my calendar has grown exponentially. So I've prayed for church conflicts and marriages right. and sick children and Hell. surgery and tragedies and loss loss of spouses and uh, prayed for you know children that have been wayward and uh, God has just used it to open up uh, an opportunity to really have a just a, a relationship, and and I have I have not even met all the people person to person, face to face on my prayer calendar. Um, it's very it's sometimes even at state convention, guys will come up and say, "Hey, hey, Craig, I'm uh, you know Joe. You pray for me on the tenth, or you pray for me on the twelfth, or you know." And I I know who they are, but I wouldn't know them by sight. And uh, God has just used that to. Uh, to just be able to uh, encourage, to uh, build relationships, to uh, really just hopefully be helpful to many pastors and uh, other people that uh, that the Lord's opened this door to. So it's a joy. It's just a part of my life now. I can't imagine not doing it. Yes, and I'll tell you, as a recipient of this prayer ministry, it's real meaningful. I. I tend to give you sometimes a very lengthy, most of the time, very lengthy response uh, of request. And I'm sure you look at that and think, oh, my goodness. But your prayers are always crafted in such a way that they really are personal and powerful. So I want to thank you on behalf of all of those on that calendar, some 500 or so. Thank you, Craig, for that ministry. Well, I appreciate that, Dr. Lance. I uh uh, you know, the longer, just the way I look at it is the more trust. Yes. And that means that means the world to me that you and others will entrust me to pray for you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, uh, the length has nothing to do with it. it just, it's just an honor and a privilege to lift right. up those requests. And see, I don't use text talk abbreviations or emojis, so I'm... <laughs> yeah. Some some do, and it's quite funny. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, imagine, I imagine they do. And my, then they come back with a My wife, text. who said she'd never do texting, uh, I, when we first she first got an iPhone or smartphone, she said, I'm not going to do this texting stuff. And I said, well, you won't be communicating with your daughters very much if you don't. And she's learned how to do that, and she lo- she's an emoji user. I mean, 
fact, I think she needs to get in rehab because she. My daughter was a teenager. She had a flip phone, and she was texting way before I even had a cell phone. And we used to get the bill because they used to charge you per text. Oh yeah. And I would just have a fit about all the text messages she was she was sending and. And I probably have sent far more yeah. than she ever did. But it's changed a lot since then, <laughs> unlimited yeah, data. It's, it's yeah. much easier to text now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I need to mention also the audience might, I would hope, be interested to know that uh, Craig is an SBC leader, too. He's uh, recently, in the last year or so, joined the ranks of the Southern Baptist Executive Committee. And I know that uh, that group is... Uh, been needing our prayers through the years, but Craig, it, along with others from our state, are offering wise and very uh, useful wisdom during this particular time with the executive committee. I want you to know that we pray for you, those of us who are aware that you're there, as well as the, your four other colleagues from Alabama giving representation, if you will, from Alabama. <clears throat> we know that there are some a lot of things you can't talk about, but there, we're, we're praying for you, and we pray better days are ahead there. And Amen. We, we're very grateful for those prayers, yeah, and it's an honor to serve Alabama. I imagine today. some of those EC members have made your prayer calendar. They have. They have. Yeah. I, I it, pray for the leadership, and uh, it's praying for our search team right now. They, yeah. they hear from me, and... Uh, they have. They, they've gotten added. I haven't added all of them yet. There's 80-plus of, of us, but uh, I will get there. Yeah. <laughs> well, when he mentioned search team, he's talking about the search team for a new president and CEO of the SBC Executive Committee. <clears throat> well, Craig, tell us a little bit about your family. Okay. And I know I, uh, you're excited about them. Yes, I'm married to Tammy. We've been married almost uh, 37 years. Uh, Tammy is a retired social worker from the state of Alabama. We have one daughter. She's single. She is an attorney, a practicing attorney in uh, Birmingham. Her name is Jordan. And uh, we are very blessed. We, uh, Tammy and I love serving the Lord together. Uh, she's a great ministry partner. Uh, with me and very helpful to me. She keeps me straight a lot of times. So oh, yeah. Gives me a lot of wise counsel. I would have made a lot of foolish decisions if it hadn't have been for her. And and so we serve the Lord together, but uh, do love my family, very proud of our daughter, uh, and very grateful for God's blessing and favor on us over these many years. Now, did you have uh, any kind of transitional trauma coming from being a pastor to being an associational missional leader? Uh, I did. I uh, uh, resigned as a pastor. That was all I had known, writing sermons on starting on Monday, staff meetings. And uh, when I started director of uh, associational missions work, I uh, was there for about two days, and I uh, began to wonder, what in the world have I gotten myself into? Uh, primarily because I was wondering how I was going, what I was going to do to spend. I was going to spend my time, right. time that had been full right. uh, for many years, uh, was now kind of vacant and trying to figure, figure out how I was going to do associational ministry. And uh, after, on the third day, uh, one of our pastors came in t uh, to visit me. Just dropped in. I mean, I was brand spanking new. I had never even met him. And he came to my office and he said, Brother Craig, I need to talk to you. He said, I've just been uh, released from my church. 
Yeah. He had served there for 14 years. And I then knew why I was there. Right. Uh, I knew that I was there for my pastors. And, and so over the last six years, it's been great. I don't have any trouble filling up my days. No. Uh, no. Uh, every day is full. Every day is fulfilling. I, I love associational missions, uh, even though it was never anything that I aspired to or even dreamed that I would do. Uh, uh, these, I know that I'm where God wants me to be for this stage of my life in ministry. And to be there for our pastors, to be able to encourage them, to be able to help them, uh, to help churches find pastors and pastors find churches, um, to train search committees, to fill pulpits. Uh, I'm in a pul- different pulpit almost every Sunday uh, is very fulfilling. And uh, we are blessed in Etowah Association. All of our, I just love every one of our churches and pastors. And uh, but it was a it was a difficult transition. It's it is different work. It yeah. it is very different. And you know the the other thing that I found was you know that I have to hold myself accountable in right. much of what oh, I do. Yeah. I yeah. you know when you're in church, you have a deacon body and others that are over you know kind of overseeing you and. In associational work, most of your ministry is done behind the scenes. It's, Absolutely. It's not a very visible ministry. And and so you have to work to increase the value of your ministry. It's you can't assume it. You have to no, you have to work right. at it. And uh, and you know, so for six years that's that's what we've done in Etowah Association and I'm grateful, you know, that our pastors and churches do call on us. They do trust us. And uh, but that was something that you know, I had to come to grips with was, you know, Craig, you, you, you've, you've got to do your job. You know, you don't have somebody watching you necessarily every day. Uh, you know, you have to, you have to get out there and, and really work and make your ministry, help your ministry to be valuable. Yeah. Uh, and because associational ministry has taken a hit over the last few years, I think it's coming back. I it think, is. I think the value of it has increased and, that's something that I think I learned over, you know, serving as chair of the Sexual Abuse Task Force is how important the local association is to promoting change and yeah. helping church, helping change happen on the local level. So it's it was a trans it was a challenging transition at first, but boy, I, I can't imagine myself doing anything else at this. Speaking point. of uh, associational missions leadership and. State convention leadership as president and the SBC, which you, you're all you, you don't have enough feet to be involved in every one of those, but you're there, feet and hands. Uh, tell us, we've got a couple of minutes. Tell us about the symposium you had related to how you were able to pull the local authorities together, because that is a very good model template to be used. One of the things as we were working through the process of our report and and trying to decide how to best communicate with our churches about the need for reform and um, change in our churches, uh, I was trying to think of how can I get this in particular to my smaller churches. Sure. Uh, Our larger churches had pretty much taken action and had done what they needed to do. And so, uh, again, just really praying and seeking, was impressed to make it local so wow. that our our churches could understand what's happening in our community, not just the nation or the world. 
but what's actually happening. And so we assembled a panel of community leaders. We had our district attorney, our sheriff. Uh, we had our child advocacy center director, DHR. Department of Human Resources was there. We had a counselor from one of our local counseling centers who dealt with a lot of trauma counseling for children. And we formed a panel, and I allowed them to, as I emceed the program, uh, to just share about what child abuse looked like in Etowah County. Right. And it served a great purpose. It really did get our attention to understanding that this is a problem on the local level. It's not, I mean, you can Google statistics and find out about child abuse on a national level and other ways, but when you have local authorities talking about what's happening right down the street from you or across the county from you, it makes a big difference. And we had over half of our smaller churches that were there and uh, that attended, and many of them are following through, and we're continuing to help and encourage them to take the action that they need. And now we have a tool through the website through, that we have through that's safe.alsbaum.org. Yeah, uh, that is our state website that has all the resources that they need, including the symposium yeah. format. Uh, and certainly would encourage uh, our Alabama Baptist churches, pastors, especially those who are in the, uh, the normative-sized churches of today, to look at that. And uh, there's some great resources there to help you make your church a safe place. Well, Craig, we are coming to the conclusion. It's hard to imagine. Uh, we got all of this in in just a matter of 25 minutes or so. But before we do conclude and sign off, so to speak, how can we pray for you? You're always asking that of others. So how can we pray for you? Pray that the Lord will help me to find that good and healthy balance between Etowah Baptist and Alabama Baptist. Um, I want to serve both well and uh, want to do the best job that I possibly can. But those are my two. Etowah Baptist have been my priority for six years. Alabama Baptist have been a priority, but now in a different light. And just pray that I can find that balance and uh, serve well. Not just do what's expected, though, but yeah. be able to do a little bit above and beyond and uh, minister as best I possibly can. Well, my prediction is you'll do well at this. And listeners, you've heard the prayer request he had. Let's pray for wisdom for our friend Craig Carlisle. And that he'll have the stamina and strength and the, the idea of balance. I, I use the term a good bit. We have to try to get a wobbly balance. You'd right. never get a perfect balance. Right. And I, I finally got into that arena of thinking that way, and it helped me from being distressed a lot. Craig, you're a dear friend, a great leader, and one that we've been privileged to have here now for these few minutes and for your tenure in Alabama Baptist life. We are already extremely grateful. God bless you all, and we'll talk again on One Mission Podcast later on.